This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant Late Night Film Series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's Outdoor Movie Series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington, and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema. How's it? I'm Alex McCauley. I'm Max Fosper. And I'm Grant Colombini. And this is Excuse the Intermission, a mini discussion show surrounding movies. Before we turn our complete attention to the month of October and begin our five-part series dedicated to the last 50 years of horror films, the three of us have decided to record this. Uh, Let's call it a current events rumor mill episode, something like that. A mini-sode. A mini-sode, yeah. A mini-sode. Excuse the rumor mill. Um, yeah, I like it. Uh, uh, because this, of course, is the time of the year where studios start releasing their big award contenders, final trailers for some of those films are released, and then, yes, rumors begin circulating around what is to come in the following year. Of course, as it pertains to the Oscars, the release date in which a film must have premiered has been extended to February 28th of 2021 due to the coronavirus. Um, and the first film that we're going to talk about was one of the first, if not the first, film to postpone its release, which was originally set for April of this past spring. That, of course, is the fifth installment of the Daniel Craig Bond series, No Time to Die. A second, more extended trailer was released a few weeks ago, and it gave audiences a look of everything that happens in the f- I mean, it teased audiences as to what they could expect <laughs> If they were brave enough to go into theaters on the 20th of November. So, gentlemen, I want your reactions to the trailer. And then, more importantly, what Daniel Craig has meant for this franchise, as this is set to be his last time playing the title character before passing the torch onto someone who I know we were all very fond of. Uh, yeah, the movie looks great. Uh, you hope it's it's a win because Spectre was kind of a letdown uh, for the Bond franchise uh, after the highs of Skyfall. Uh, Daniel Craig's run has, has kind of been like that, though. Casino Royale was was great and very exciting for a first installment. Quantum of Solace comes along during the writer's strike, so it's it's a little bit of a jumbled mess and almost like more of an art house film, which is weird to say about a Bond movie. And then Sam Mendes comes in, and Skyfall is the biggest Bond movie ever. And it's a good excellent. kind of art house Bond yeah. movie. Yeah, it's yeah. an excellent Absolutely. film. It's got Roger Deakins behind the camera, and, and it's got some of the most iconic shots now, I think, overall for the Bond franchise. And then Spectre comes, and it was very exciting because they were bringing in 
you know, Bond's ultimate arch nemesis, which is Blofeld, right. who was going to be played by Christoph Waltz, who is like the best bad guy anytime he's a bad guy. <laughs> and it was just sort of mediocre, just sort of a letdown. So now we've got Kerry Fukunadra. Is that how you say his name? Kerry, yeah. yeah. Fukunawa? Fukunawa. Yeah, yeah. Fukunawa behind the camera directing. Coming this, off of True Detective. Yeah, directing. The, the, his, I think it's like his one of his first feature uh, films, yeah. if not his first. Um, so No Time to Die, you know, it's got a lot to live up to. It's got a lot to make right by, like, big Bond heads. Um, and I'm excited to see it if we ever get to go into theaters again. <laughs> uh, and then Daniel Craig... You know, Daniel Craig has been an excellent Bond throughout this process, even though he he has come to hate the character. I mean, there's a famous line that he said in an interview, he wants to slit his wrist instead of playing James Bond again. Uh, so it's been an interesting ride, but he definitely brings a physicality and a grittiness to it that, you know, the previous Bond, Pierce Brosnan, did not. And I think with this series of films... He fit that perfectly, and he's done a a stellar job as the character. Yeah, going off of that, I think Daniel Craig is kind of the the amalgam of James Bond. He is literally Sean Connery, Roger Moore, George Lazenby, Timothy Dalton, and Pierce Brosnan kind of wrapped into one. Obviously, a little bit more elements between, like, basically, I used to think for a long time he was just Sean Connery, Timothy Dalton meshed into one. And then as the later movies, as he comes into the character, I feel like he really embodies all of the previous actors. Um, I'm really excited to see this as a grand send off. He knows it's his last movie. The director knows it's his last movie. The writers know it's his last movie. The casting director certainly knows yeah. that it's his last <laughs> yeah. one. Cause this movie is star studded. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's one of those movies where even the story, if you know from the trailer, like he's not a double O anymore, he's out of the game and then he gets brought back in. And he even meets... By the, the Jeffrey Wright character, right? right yeah. Who hasn't been in one since Quantum, maybe? Uh, or he, something? Solace, yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought he had a... I think, I think Felix Leiter pops up in Skyfall or Spectre. I'm it's sure. been a couple movies. That's all I know in my quick little research. Maybe not. I don't I don't think so. we'll, we'll go back. We'll okay. go back. But, uh, but yes, you're right. The Felix Leiter, the CIA guy, like asks him to come back. There's someone else that now has the 007 uh, signature. Moniker. Moniker, yeah. yeah thank you. Um so I'm really excited for this movie because we never really have had a proper send-off for a Bond actor. Pierce Brosnan's last one, Die Another Day, was terrible. Yeah, and he wanted to keep doing them, right? Yeah, right. So yeah, you're right. There, there's never been really a consciousness that like, okay, this is it. We're going to wrap the up. Grand and, and, crescendo. And, then, and then again, we've had no other Bond actor where their stories connect to each other. That, like Daniel Craig's is a five movie story. There, there's references in Sky, Skyfall and Spectre that go back to Casino Royale, and this one is obviously going back to Spectre, going back to Skyfall, kind of connecting. Well, and everything. using some of the same villains too, because Kristoff's going to be in this one again, not right. as the main the, bad guy. The but opening, the opening credits of Spectre references Le Chiffre, represents Mister Green, represents Mister White, ref, represents you know like references every person he's come across yeah so i'm ex- i'm excited for that point the trailer itself is a fucking adrenaline rush i love the, i love the shots of him ducking behind that rock and the car hitting the rock and like going over him him grabbing the rope and going off of the bridge the one that i'm 
just I can't I don't know what it's about but he's riding a motorcycle and he goes off a jump and there's like a funeral procession going on like it just like the trailer to me just screams James Bond and I'm so excited to see it I'm with you on the part Max of that he's been up and down Quantum of Solace I didn't like it first. It took me like two or three viewings to be like, all right, this is a good Bond movie, but it doesn't hold up to Casino Royale or Skyfall by any means. Spectre, I thought was good, but it, it kind of had like the Force Awakens part where they tried to do too many odes to past movies, you know, like Dave Bautista being the silent guy with right. like, razor blades on his thumb, you know, just having those more iconic moments rather than diving into the story. So I think that's where it's meddled. In, in that frame, but I'm excited to see Daniel Craig having a proper send off. Cause like you said, he's ready to be done. And we also like, he's old like this. We have now have an old bond where we started as a young bond. So it's kind of nice to kind of get this. Yeah. This has spanned like 15 story. years of his yeah. career. He's, he's the longest uh, running bond that we've had year, year wise. Cause back year in wise. Sean Connery, Roger Moore days, it was like every year, every two years, they yeah. pumped out another one. Okay, so then, yeah, he has to pass the torch to somebody. So, Max, why don't you tell us who's uh, kind of been rumored to maybe take that? Well, Grant. actually, Grant, you go ahead. And, and yeah. You're the one who, who I, let me know. I was up late on Twitter, and then all of a sudden I saw a bunch of these tweets getting posted, and has always been one of those fan casts that has been out there. But now there has been several, like, well-known, if not fully credible, but well-known establishments that have said that Tom Hardy is going to be our next James Bond. And I'm not mad about it. I had some other people that I thought maybe would be the one to get the job. Um, but I mean, Tom Hardy is one of my favorite actors. 100%. I, yeah. I never, I never really saw him getting this role, but I'm not mad about it. Like, I'm excited to see if this is true, how long he gets to do it for, what it's going to be. Are they going to do? what they did with Daniel Craig and kind of reboot. Are they going to go off of how they've been doing it before where it's just moving on? Are they just going to do his own story? So I think it's going to be really interesting, especially the age difference between two. But I mean, you talk about the new age of physicality with James Bond, no one better to do it than Tom Hardy. Well, so that's kind of then what I want to ask you about Max is based off Hardy's past roles where he's kind of been the strong, but silent type. Do you think he has the charisma to to pull off Bond? Because it almost seems like he'd be better suited, just in my opinion, as a Bond villain. I I agree with that. Uh, listen, Tom Hardy's a wonderful actor. You can't be mad about him being Bond. But am I going to be able to sit there and say, oh, yeah, that's James Bond instead of, oh, that's Tom Hardy? Yeah. There's To that, there's two movies I want to throw in right now. His role is Eames in Inception. And then the movie This Is War. It's a romantic comedy with him and Chris oh, Pine and yes, Reese Witherspoon yeah. where he literally plays a secret agent. And he is a lighthearted, joke-running, suave I've never dude. seen that, but I, I know the movie and you're talking I, about. I didn't want to see it. And then I watched it because I was forced to because of a lady, sure. obviously. But then I enjoyed that movie. Like, watching Chris Pine and Tom Hardy having, like, witty, like, interactive banner. When this got, like, thrown out there that Tom Hardy was going to be Bond, those were the first two roles I thought of where I was like, he can, he can do it, but then also you're right. He has that image of the big, sound, strong type. Lawless, Dark Knight Rises, you know, like warrior, bronze, yeah. warrior, like all those roles. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tip of the scale. It'll be interesting because Eames in Inception, which now what was ten years 10 ago, yeah. two thousand ten, yep. that was kind of the first time we ever saw Tom Hardy. Right, I would say, 
And you're and he does do a really good like James Bond impression in that movie, right. especially when you first meet him in that cafe. Yeah, correct. Um, oh yeah, but you know that was 2010. That was 10 years ago. Right. I, I who knows? I mean, is he going to be a big hulking monster Bond, or is he going to like slim down and be and be more like Eames? And yeah, to, to fit a tailored suit, kind of. Yeah. yeah, we know he's 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 like a method actor, so he's going to take it very seriously, and he's going to make some choices, and it's it's going to be exciting to see if it's true. Again, personally, I would have gone with someone much less known. Yeah. I, I like my Bond to be. Like just like Daniel Craig, yeah, I mean, absolutely. He did layer cake before, and right. that was basically his audition to be Bond. Right, and he hadn't done really anything. You didn't really know him from anything else. Right. It's yeah. It's fun when a title character can make an actor a superstar. Exactly. Before yeah. we move on from this, just to ask you guys: Is there anyone out there on the top of your mind as a fan cast that you would have picked over Tom Hardy? Because I definitely have one. If not two. So I do, and it's somebody uh, who I actually talked about in our last episode, the box office bombs, who I haven't seen enough of this guy, and now I understand that the the, the comic book world has seen a lot of this guy, but give me another Tom. Give me Tom Hiddleston. Absolutely. To that point, I think his role in Kong Skull Island was his unofficial audition for James Bond. He's literally an ex-MI6 agent that gets cast into the Vietnam War. And just the way he carries himself, the way he talks about things, the entire time I was like... This is James Bond, right? And he can, he can have the cool uh, English accent, yeah. of course. He's, yeah, he, he can be suave. He can be direct. He can be like... like uh, That scene in Skyfall where uh, Silva puts his hands on Daniel Craig's legs and uh, like Daniel Craig's response is like, what do you think... Why do you think this is my first time? Like that kind of like, what do you better? Like Tom Hiddleston could do that mm-hmm. better than Tom Hardy. So yes, I, yeah. that, Tom Hiddleston was my fan cast. Nice, awesome. Yeah. Did you have somebody, Max? Uh, no one that comes right to my mind. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big Daniel Craig fan, so I'm not really ready to move on. (laughs) I don't think any of us are. He does such a good job from Casino Royale immediately. Sean Connery was always my favorite. Timothy Dalton was a second. I always loved Roger Moore. George Lazenby, I think is overlooked as well in the one movie he's in is a quintessential Bond flick. Which is the basis for Spectre of the whole, he gets married, things happen, and then he has to move on from that. Which I think is also going to bleed into this next movie, No Time to Die. But uh, Daniel Craig was just, to me, was the best Bond we've ever had. And I think a lot of that is because... We kind of grew up with him. We grew up with him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Max and I, we've talked about this a little bit, but like my first... uh, like PG-13 rated R movie. I think it was PG-13, but I was seven years old. My mom didn't want me to see it. My dad snuck me to go see Tomorrow Never Dies in that theater. And from then on, I was obsessed with it. Then he shows me Goldeneye. And I'm like, I remember being in Costco, being six years old, watching the car chase on one of the TVs. And me and my brothers were just entranced by it, not knowing what movie it was. (laughs) But that's the effect that Bond movies have. Yeah. On multiple, on an expansive amount of, you know, it spans generations. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've always been a huge Bond fan. I'm excited that this is coming out in November. Hopefully we can go see it in theaters. But it's one of those, I'm not ready to let Dano go. Uh, all right. Um, well, we're going to let this Bond little conversation go, though, right now and move on to just a couple of new releases that have come out that uh, a few of us have watched here. So, Max, why don't you tell us what you watched over the weekend? Uh, over the weekend, I was able to uh, sneak in uh, The Devil All the Time, uh, a Netflix original. Uh, director Anthony Campos stars a packed cast. 
with Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Haley Bennett, Sebastian Stan, Jason Clark, Eliza Scanlon, Bill Skarsgård. And let me tell you, this movie, as far as like Netflix originals, but also if it was a, just a theater movie, it's it's nice to see that this kind of movie can still get made. It's it's a gritty, like two and a half hour, uh, decade spanning, like crime drama or, but like super violence, all about uh, corruption and religion and people killing people, and it's it's just, it's a really it's a great it's a great watch. And uh, the part, the reason it is a great watch is because the performances are just out of this world. Jumping Talk- off the screen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we all know about Robbie Patz, all right? We all know he's one of the best young actors. And he comes into this movie about 45 minutes into it and just starts throwing heaters. And I don't know how he does what he does with his voice because he's an English guy. But he sounds absolutely insane, and he carries just this creepy, creepy aura about him. And it is, he is so, so good. And then opposite of him, Tom Holland, great to see him do something other than Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, and he is wonderful. There's a one-on-one scene between Pattinson and Holland. I think it's it's probably the best acting I've seen on screen this year. It's intense and it's just so well acted uh i highly highly recommend it going back to what you said about robert pattinson and his voice um that was an accent that he did not use any dialect coaches for and he kept that under wraps to uh, even the director Yeah, he didn't tell or show anyone or test it out on anyone until the cameras rolled because he wanted people to either be caught off guard or he wanted made made uncomfortable by it exactly and like the i haven't seen the movie but i watched a few clips just to hear that voice because i heard that fact and i was just like yeah this dude literally took every accent from the south and put it into one to where that i think that even adds to the character he's playing of like he is kind of like this mysterious but also just weird force that you just don't want to fuck with all right. Well, I haven't checked it out yet. I'm very excited to. You all should as well. It sounds like it's on Netflix. As we yeah, said, I, I give it four crosses out of five. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and then a film that I was able to check out over the weekend um, was Antebellum. And now Antebellum is kind of a social political thriller along the lines of Get Out, or maybe even your highest quality like Black Mirror episode, where Gina uh, Monet, who's the star of it plays two different characters um it's kind of an alternate reality and i'm not going to spoil too much of it but there's like two different realities that are happening um and then there's like a m night shamalani twist at the end of it that that has the big aha reveal and moment um and then yeah just some of the technical things behind this movie i really really enjoyed it opens with like a five minute long tracking scene that must cover at least like 200 to 300 yards of like real space where we're not, you know, in a studio or anything like that. We're, we're out there. We're really filming this and it's phenomenal. Um, there's a very unsettling score. A lot of it takes place in the South. Um, and so you just have like the cicadas chirping the whole time and the wind. And, and then the other half of it is like in the city. And so all of a sudden you have these, you know, car horns and, all this business chatter and everything going on. And so it's a real disorienting watch, but in a good way. Um, 
It's getting ripped apart right now by critics. I think it's only like 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, which means nothing. Um, but, but yeah, it, it kind of surprises me because I enjoyed this movie, but then after checking out some of the reviews, I get, I get the criticisms, but at the same time, I don't exactly know what else, um, you would want in a film like this. Like the, the message that it's trying to convey, it conveys. And yes, it might not be as slick as something like Get Out. But it has that same mystique behind it. It's it's got some extremely uncomfortable and unsettling uh, scenes in it, which I give Janelle Monae all the credit for signing on. You know, signing on to do. I think that she is a superstar in the making, if not already, based off her music career um, and just some of the past films that she's been in, like Hidden Figures and Moonlight and Harriet from this past year. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, hasn't made its way to like a free streaming service yet. So it might be a little while until some people can check it out, but it's, it's definitely worth the watch. It makes you think, makes you uncomfortable. And like I said, I believe that that's what the filmmakers set out to do. I remember being uh, excited about this to see in theaters, you know, and I was it would have been a great, it would have been a great movie in the theaters. It looks like it would be very, uh, uh, visceral. Yes. To, to watch yeah. on the big screen. So I was a little bummed it went to the small screen, but I'm glad that you were able to check it out and it sounds like it's yeah. pretty solid. And then uh, just to kind of use Janelle Monet to wrap up this episode with one more rumor, after doing a little research about what her next projects might be, there's nothing listed on IMDb right now, but she's rumored to be uh, reviving the Storm character from the X-Men series. So you guys, obviously being the resident comic book people, I just kind of want to hear your take on how you think she could maybe pull off that character as like in, in a standalone film. I think she's perfectly suited for the Storm character, um, especially with the MCU leading into the events of Endgame is going to kind of reboot everything as far as like the snap creates mutants creates that. And so leads into the way of X-Men being brought into that world. Um, I am also a very big like X-Men fan. So I'm very worried about what the MCU is going to do to that world. But if she's going to be storm, sign me the fuck up. Absolutely. I think she's going to knock it out of the park. Yeah. You know, I just, I think uh, Grant mentioned this earlier. You hope she does it. You know, African accent. Yeah, I mean, you go back to Halle Berry in the first one that does it, and then she doesn't in the following sequels because the producers were like, eh, maybe you shouldn't do that because you're not good at it. Where, like, if she can do it, just as Chadwick Boseman did a perfect accent and spoke Kosi in Black Panther, I hope that I, and I'm not saying that she can't do it, I just hope that she can because that's a huge part of Aurora Monroe is being an outsider within outsiders not not only is she a mutant she is from another country brought into this and so i think janelle monet has the physical embodiment i think she has the acting chops i think she's gonna she'd be great as it and so kind of fingers crossed for that one well and to going back to the chadwick thing her and him had a really good relationship i know and so you have to understand that almost every um and not even just african-american but every person who comes along now as part of that universe is going to have, I'm getting goosebumps right now just saying this, but they're going to have this, like, not a bad, but a weight on their shoulder to where they feel like they need to carry the carry his crown, live you up, know? Live up to yeah. the standard the, that he set. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and, and they have an excellent opportunity here to to do kind of what they did with Black Panther and, and that community with this character. 100%. And so hopefully they go in doing, you know, 
handling it with a lot of care and, and respect and whatnot. And a lot of opportunities they missed out on very early on in the MCU. And then mm-hmm. now that we're, what, 20-some movies in, or, you know, I don't even know how many it is, mm-hmm. but the, the fact that we're this far into it, maybe now is the time to do all that and get that that story out there. Yeah, it would be hard to fill the void of Chadwick, but that she could definitely definitely go in there and, and fill most of it. And then a side note, in the comics, lately, in the past like five years, Storm has become a better, huger part of the X-Men. More fleshed out yeah, and everything. In the yeah. comic lore, she's more of a leader. Granted, she's always been... But, you know, you go back to the 80s cartoons, the 90s cartoons that we grew up with. She's always been prominent, but not necessarily the leader. It's always been Wolverine, Cyclops, Professor Xavier. And now recently, Aurora Monroe has kind of been like kind of kind of taking the lead. So I think what we're saying, just to put a bow on this uh, conversation, is that even though it might have it maybe has taken a long time to get here, we're getting here at the appropriate time. It's meant to be that, you know, we're in this world now where we understand how, uh, you know, especially an an African-American woman at the center of a comic book movie could just, it could mean so much to so many different people. Um, Okay. Well, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this short little episode of ours. Uh, Plenty more rumors and action to come as we uh, gear up and head towards award season. So be on the lookout for maybe another one of these little 30 minute half, we, half guy episodes. I feel like as rumors pop up, we're going to have yeah. a lot to talk about. So yeah, you know, we got, we got to be able to talk about current, current, uh, event stuff when it happens. Right. You know, yeah. And not be too, too behind on pigeonholed to just talk about horror movies for the next thousand years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay. So until then we will uh, see you guys at the movies. Stay swell and give them hell. Drink movies and watch beer. <laughs>